Hi, welcome back to The CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor CIO. It's been a long-running lament, the lack of a proper Indigenous tech industry in Australia. Obviously, we are a very clever country. There's been innumerable great companies and talented individuals over the years and decades, but it remains a concern, the lack of substantial government investment to support the sector, while the local investment community continues to cop flack for its lack of faith and vision for Australian tech. Things are changing, though. The number of homegrown companies ascending to the world stage, companies like Atlassian and Afterpay and others, and the creation of a dedicated tech index on the Australian Stock Exchange. Our first guest in this episode of the CIO Show is Len Rust, who's Director of Dialogue Marketing Services, a former IDC analyst, journalist, and author of several books on Australian tech and innovation. Len, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, I mean, there's, there's been plenty of criticism over the years of the Australian technology industry, you know, the fact that we haven't produced as many, you know, big enterprise-focused companies, or in fact, for many years, we didn't have any, um, as, as, as many people would have liked. But the reality is that over the, over the past several years, or certainly over the decades that, that you and I have both been covering the tech industry, there have been an inordinate number of amazing Australian technology companies and amazing people working in them, right? Yes, that's right. There's, there, there are, and it, it, it's quite fascinating when you drill down to look at these and, uh, you know, and you think about why technology's gone around in a circle. It's a very big circle, mm. but in a lot of cases there, um, we've had companies that have sort of jumped on the bandwagon and are at the leading edge. And, uh, you know, one company that comes to mind is Altium. Um, yeah. It's a multinational software company that, focus is on electronic design systems mm. and has done extremely well, came out of Tasmania in the first place and yep. now has opened up in China and got a big operation in China. And it, its products are found anywhere, everywhere in the world, leading electronic design teams to, you know, the grassroots electronic uh, community. Yep. So yep. A, a great company. And then, then you go into sort of the more commercial base and you look at companies like Technology One and that's been around for a long time. Mm. And, um, you know, it's built financial systems for governments and businesses and uh, it now has, a, I mean, I don't know, I think it's 14 offices around the world employing over 1,200 staff, yeah. you know, and it's doing extremely well, a company out of Brisbane. Yeah. And, the other one which always amazes me is, is WiseTech. You know, it's a leading developer and provider of software solutions for the logistics industry. You yeah, think critically important. They did yeah. that. They did that out of Australia. Mm. And the group's customers include 17,000 or something like that wow. of the, the world's logistic companies across 160-odd countries. Yeah. I mean, that is phenomenal. They're, that's the sort of story, you know, that I think, you know, the, the, the flagship product they've got, you know, what's it called? Uh, Cargo-wise. Yes. It, it, it's an integral link to the supply chain and executes over millions, billions of data transactions every day. Yeah, sure, sure. A good one. Another one which is very unusual is Appen. It, it, it's a company I've watched for years, it's a global leader in the development of high-quality mm. uh, human annotation data sets. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're arguably our biggest AI firm, really, aren't they? 
They are. The mm. machine learning and AI mm. with them is incredible in what they've done. And, uh, you know, they're, they're with governments and all sorts of retail manufacturing worldwide. So another another very good company and, um, you know, it's sort of still growing, moving into new areas. Um, another one like Tech One is um, Data3, you know, and you look at that, it's been around, I think, for 40 years and, you know, it's built on a foundation of, um, you know, delivering solutions, uh, really spanning the cloud, uh, the modern workplace, security, yeah. data analytics, and all those, you know, so-called new areas that we're talking around. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Data3 because, I mean, that's that sort of shines a light on the Australian channel, really, doesn't it? Because Data3 started out as a, and still is, you know, a, a, for all intents and purposes, a, a giant systems, Australian systems integrator, but... Um, yes. with, with a fair degree of internal sort of development and innovation, right? Yes, 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 it is. Yeah. And, you know, to his credit, you know, John Grant, who ran Data3 for all those years, um, you know, brilliant guy, very active and, you know, is very pro the Australian industry and helping and promoting it around the world. Yeah. The other one I like always and have watched for years, and uh, it was a small company in Australia, company called Bravura Solutions. Yeah, right. And it's a provider of, you know, software solutions and services for the administration of wealth management and uh, I think funds management as well, funds administration. Yeah, yeah. So another one, which is, you know, very big, very strong in Europe now. A, A very unusual one, I always find, but it's done extremely well, and that is integrated research. Right. I don't, I'm not familiar with them. What do they do? That's IR. It's a leading global provider of user experience and performance management solutions uh-huh. around payments and transactions and collaborative systems. Run by or started by Steve Kilalea. Steve's gone on to some other things now. But, you know, it, it, again, it, it works with some of the world's largest organizations. It, it, it's it simplifies the complexity and provides visibility over, you know, systems that millions of users can't live without. You know, we need that. You've got to be able to look at these systems and allow, you know, people to transact and transact and uh, collaborate. Yeah. So another good one. Um, we could go on and on. I mean, I think, you know, the afterpay, we all hear about that just about every day, which Hey, good to go, but yeah, them, you know, them, them and Atlassian, of course, yeah, yeah, and Atlassian, yeah, they're a modern day company, and uh, uh, you know, you look at where they've gone, and you know how they allow consumers to buy products on a buy now, receive yeah. now, and pay later situation. So you take them and Atlassian, we hear a lot about them, but mm-hmm. you know, there's other companies. Newix is another one which I'm always fascinated about. You know, they were involved in the Panama Papers when all of that stuff was found, you know, security system. Um, and they, they've done extremely well. And uh, In the in the cyberspace, in, yeah? In the cyberspace, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's similar to um, Huntsman. Huntsman's another one. It's uh, yeah. Huntsman Security. It provides security here up in Japan and various other places. And then you start to break down some of these areas of activity, you know, as we come through this circle of where we are. The mm. circle's not going to stop. It's going to get bigger. But you look at companies like Coda. 
I don't know if you know them. They're out of Adelaide, but Coda Wireless, it, it, it connects um, autonomous vehicles. And it's working in Germany. They're all over the place and doing a lot of work with councils, improving safety and reducing congestion and emissions and all those sorts of things. And the more you look at autonomy and where it's going and IoT and these sorts of areas, yeah. um, they're in a very strong position. And a small company or smallish company out of Adelaide. So we've, we've got loads of things when you look at it and mm, mm. The, the thing that always fascinates me is when you look at industry sectors you know if you look at ag tech we've got a lot of growing companies in that area oh, of course we do. and some yeah. brilliant technologies and everything else mm. biotech's the same yeah. health tech's the same yeah fintech, we could talk for days on all these. Probably, probably mining as well. I mean, the, the industries that are yeah. really key to Australia, of course, you know, we, we do have a disproportionate number of innovators in those spaces. So really, Len, I mean, do you think, do you feel that maybe the tech industry is um, in Australia is actually doing pretty well, is more sort of vibrant than, than perhaps some of the naysayers, uh, you know, think it is? It's doing okay, but I think it needs to be more recognised and we certainly need more people to understand the um, benefits and the skills that these companies have. So, you know, it's investing in them and making sure that they're well-managed, well-staffed and are at the leading edge. And, you know, you come back to the size of the Aussie market. You can't just live out of Australia. You've got to look at going worldwide yeah. and you've got to look at forming partners in you know, other countries, major countries, and forming the right partners. Mm -hmm. So, but yes, coming back on what you know you just said there, I, we are we we are very unique, and we do, we are at the leading edge. But mm -hmm. we need to keep that momentum up there, and um, you know, keep finding the new so-called leaders that, that are going to take things to the next level. Mm -hmm. And when we wrote that book, if you look back at that book, the companies we wrote about. Um, I think one, two, three, about eight or nine of them have been, have been sold. This is all systems um, go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Mincom has gone, uh, Lancer has gone, JBA has gone, mm. Mampac, mm. Nella, all of those guys. That when we had the PCs come in in the eighties, it was all around IBM software, or, or you know, one of the majors, Hewlett Packard. But these guys jumped in on the bandwagon and developed Australian software that you could run on your PC. Yeah. And they were very successful. And that's what we wrote about in that book. Mm. And But you then see that, again, they went overseas and they've got to look then at, um, at you know, other areas to get involved in. And um, sadly, you know, a, lot, a lot of these players, they, they just sort of um, – they dwindled away. Um, but so we need to keep that momentum going. We need to keep the Australian flag flying around the world. And in Australia, we need to keep pushing to the policymakers the benefits of Australian technologies and the benefits of building local companies that the governments here can use, that industries, enterprises and everybody else can use. Yeah, yeah. Do you think a lot of these companies, a lot of these individuals have succeeded in spite of the government or despite the government? 
because they haven't really – I mean, that's one of the sort of more consistent um, narratives in this conversation about Australian tech is that successive governments have not really made important or substantial enough investments into Australian tech. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think a lot of companies you talk to and you say, you know, how much of your business is overseas? And they tell you it's 80%. Yeah. And you say, well, you know, it, 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 is there not a market in Australia? They say there is a market, but it's getting people to see the value of Australian technologies against some of the multinational technologies. Yeah, I mean, at, at, yeah, at the, at the actual procurement um, stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, and I suppose that, that that's quality and that's waving the flag of the value mm. of local local um, manufactured products, services, whatever. Yeah. Now, someone who's written so many books on Australian technology, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna guess that you're writing another one. You're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've just talked to somebody this morning about writing the other one. Yes. And he's not that keen at this point of time. Oh. <laughs> and what's what's this book about? Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna work right move forward, and we're writing somewhere around what we're talking about here today, mm-hmm. and it is around certain industry sectors, but recognizing the characters and personalities of the companies that are doing great things today that are with the leading edge technologies. Sure. So it, you know, it is around the areas of artificial intelligence and, and there's lots of them. You know, if you, mm-hmm. you look around, there's loads of companies doing it, but are they going to succeed? Are they going to raise the money? Are they going to go and get the confidence of an industry sector or move it and build it to the next stage? Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing with all of this is we've got to have the skills and we've got to have the right training in place to take companies to those next levels. And, you know, we've seen the changes and, um, you know, if you think about the professional services market in Australia, that they've always run on, you know, being the head of that industry sector. They need to keep up now. What are they doing to keep up? They're buying companies. So a lot of these smaller Aussie companies that have developed skills around IoT and AI, they're going to be in demand, but people are going to buy them or multinationals could buy them up to pick up their client base in Australia or New Zealand or wherever around the world and take them to the next level. So that's part of what we're going to write about. Well, Len, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Uh, thanks so much for sharing us, sharing with us those, those insights garnered over quite a period of time. Um, all the best with the with new book. We look forward to seeing it. Okay, mate. There's many, many more things that people we can talk about. I'd love to catch up with you and share some of that with you. I look forward to it. Thanks, Len. Okay, bye. Now, the CSIRO has been at the forefront of innovation in Australia for a century and of course has played a key role in many areas of technology, including telecommunications, most notably the invention of Wi-Fi. Now, four years ago, Data61 was created to help advance the CSIRO's tech-specific research. Joining us next on the CIO Show is Cheryl George, who's Commercial Director with Data61. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you, David. Great to be here. Great to have a chat. Now, Data61 was born, as I understand, with a remit to address enterprise challenges in technology. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we were um, 
formed. Uh, it is just just coming around for five years ago. Uh, really. Oh, sorry, to, I said four. Uh, yes. No, that's fine. Um, really to uh, to help make sure or, or try to see where there are opportunities for some of the great research capability and, and skills sitting across not just um, CSIRO but also the innovation ecosystem here in Australia, mm. where that could be um, to really tap in and help support some of the current challenges and needs across Australian industry yeah. and government. Yeah. Um, so really work with that that use case or that need and challenge uh, at, at the centre to see where uh, some of the research, some of the capability uh, might help to generate some new value yep. for enterprises yep. or uh, help to unlock some new insights on, uh, on future directions for their business or new markets mm-hmm. to, uh, to tap into. Yeah, sure. And I, I understand that um, that CSIRO has a particular um, or Data61 rather, has a, a particular structure or structure of relationships that connect with all the key universities and research institutes in Australia? Yeah, we do. So um, really from our inception, uh, our focus was to try and uh, help organisations to navigate the, the research and, and scientific landscape here in Australia, but also uh tap into where that capability sits in that ecosystem that can support their needs. So one of the first things, and I think one of our, our best achievements today in Data 61, was to uh, negotiate a, a common agreement or a partnership with uh, now 30 universities across Australia wow. on the yeah. way we can come together to collaborate on projects, share our, our knowledge and, uh, and co-support co- or supervise our PhD students coming up through the ranks. So that really what that means is uh, we we understand and have visibility on where those pockets of great capability sit right across the research community and landscape. Yep. And so for companies that are coming and talking to, uh, to ourselves or to our network, uh, it means that it's a, really a, a way of tapping into not just the capability that sits within our organisation and, of course, uh, where the, the digital innovation arm for CSIRO, but you're, you're also tapping into a hundred years uh, plus of deep domain knowledge in areas like agriculture and minerals and manufacturing. Mm. Uh, so a, a way of tapping into not just that knowledge that sits within the broader CSIRO uh, organisation, but also uh, we're able to reach into that broader network across universities and some of the startups and other organisations we know uh, to help build a, a, a bespoke team, I guess, around uh, that problem or that use case for industry. So sure. uh, a really powerful way to tap into um, some of that that great capability that is sitting there yeah. uh, available to companies. Oh, it sounds amazing, and you know, and as I, as I and as I've always said about the CSRO, just such a, a fantastically sensible and pragmatic, practical. Organization. Now, as I mentioned in, in my intro, CSIRO invented Wi-Fi. A lot of Australians probably had that experience travelling abroad and telling foreigners this and, and having it, and people not really believing it. Um, but it, it it is a little bit of a cliche, and you're probably a bit sick of hearing it as well. But the, you do continue. Data sixty one does continue to do some pretty powerful uh, things in the telecommunications space, and I understand that you're. Um, that you're also doing some very interesting work in IoT at the moment, which you know, as as we know, and CIO show, uh, a recent episode of the CIO show on IoT, 
we talked a lot about how um, how pervasive IoT is going to be across multiple industries. Absolutely. Yeah. So we do have uh, a lot of deep capability within Data61 and again within broader CSIRO around um, the IoT space or Industry 4 uh, space, as uh, a lot of people refer to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really the best way to think of that space is that that an intersection between the digital, so the data, and devices, so things like sensors, things like machines that are out there collecting information uh, in the field. So we have a, a, a sensors um, research program in what we call cyber physical systems, so that, that connection between the digital and the real world, yep. uh, and includes some, some great capabilities in some of the areas that are, are really coming into strength now in, in artificial intelligence. So things like uh, image processing, image analytics, robotics, autonomous systems, yep. uh, and some great examples of uh, not just where we're partnering with industry or with government to mm. look at future applications for that technology, but also um, we have some, uh, you mentioned Wi-Fi, the great success story. There are some, uh, some more recent uh, brilliant success stories coming out in the way of been out for commercialisation uh, that had its roots at, at Data 61 or CSIRO that are now companies in their own right of products that are out there uh, having an impact for businesses and, and industry in Australia. Um, so a great example of that, if you like, is uh, a company that, that spun out of Data 61 uh, just a couple of years ago called Emesis. Uh, yeah. And their first product, uh, Hovermat, it, combines a lot of that, that capability I mentioned in, in robotics and autonomous systems. So it's a, basically a, a drone-mounted camera uh, that is able to fly into really uh, quite dangerous or hazardous or challenging environments. So think things like uh, mine sites or uh, inside of buildings, inside tunnels. Uh, and it's able to collect uh, point data within those, those spaces and assemble that into a 3D representation of that space. So if you think, rather than having to send uh, people into these dangerous or challenging environments, you can now send in a, a, a drone with a camera attached to it. Yep. It can fly completely autonomously, so not not controlled by anybody. Mm. Um, can fly in, it draws on uh, not just that robotics and image uh, processing and data processing skill set, but also uh, things like collision avoidance research mm-hmm. so that it can fly in those spaces, navigate those independently, uh, whether there's GPS signal or not, and um, return back to the surface a highly accurate 3D scan of that um, that, that interior. So um, things like that, it's a company now out in its own right, but a great example of a whole lot of multidisciplinary science being brought together mm. um, to really fill a, a gap in the market that existed and to be able to be deployed to companies and, and partner in with industry uh, to solve the problem of how do you uh, accurately map these kind of spaces. So uh, it's those kind of examples I think are, are less known than the Wi-Fi story, but uh, <laughs> great examples of, uh, of uh, capability in the research and science community tapping into a problem yeah. in the real world. And, um, and resulting in a, a new, uh, not just a new entity, but a new uh, product, a new 
a value and a new uh, export opportunity for the country, which is great. Now, you had um, the telehealth platform Kovu, which is a spin-out. Obviously, that's been very important recently. I understand it went from something like three to 400 telehealth consultations a day to some 25,000. And then there was another another organisation that we spoke about recently, Highbury. Tell me about what you've been doing with what Highbury has been doing. And that was another spin-out, I understand. It was working with uh, a particular multinational. Yeah, so uh, Highbury was really interesting, a really early spin-out from Data61. So uh, this is a, a company that um, really is using AI or machine learning to understand uh, or help companies optimise their sales and positioning of their, their products by understanding that flow of, of inventory and sales. So really interesting story. They started or one of their first um, companies they engaged with was Coca-Cola, Amstel. Yeah. Um, and they did some analysis of vending machines uh, deployed by Coca-Cola to understand how, uh, when products were placed in the vending machine, uh, you know, how how did that impact sales when it was placed differently and help the company to use the machine learning on that data coming off the machine uh, to understand how that could be optimised. So how could placement positioning uh, lead to increased sales or uh, increased outcomes for, uh, for the company? So they have now moved on from strength to strength. So they've just completed a, a $6 million capital raise to keep growing that business yeah. um, and moving into some other domains. So a really exciting example, again, of, uh, of some, some science on the machine learning side um, coming together to provide a new value to companies in the real world. That's amazing stuff. And, and of course, you've been um, working with the Office of Australian Information Commissioner on data re-identification and de-identification. This is something that I imagine a lot of our, our listeners would be be interested in. It's, it's uh, you know, obviously there's regulatory requirements around, you know, treatment of data. And, and so, yeah, d- tell me a little bit more about what the CSIRO has, has been doing in that space. Yeah, sure. So um, one of the areas where we do have deep capability is around um, cybersecurity and privacy, so helping organisations uh, not just understand the impact of, uh, of requirements and regulation in the way they manage their data, but also how to, um, to best think about the challenge of managing data privacy and, and ensuring the security of the information that they, they collect and that they hold. Um, so in our, our role as, as uh, not just experts in this space, but also uh, as CSIRO, existing to try and help organisations navigate these kind of challenges, we worked really closely with the, um, the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner mm-hmm. to develop up a framework that's publicly available. Uh, it's called the De-Identification Decision-Making Framework. Mm. And that uh, is really there as a tool to help organisations that uh, are looking to, to use their data or, or actively they, they already de-identify their data to use it and, and share it with their, their stakeholders and suppliers. This is a guide that can help um, those decision-makers uh, just assess uh, what they should be thinking about, whether the data set that they have, um, whether there's a- any risk that it could be uh, re-identified, which is obviously something um, to, to be conscious of. So uh, this is a publicly available uh, resource uh, that we help develop just to try and 
um, demystify, I guess, some of, of the things to, to think about when uh, undertaking that kind of process. Uh, in a similar vein, we work closely um, on the cyber security side. We worked with the Australian Institute of Companies and Directors a couple of years ago to help uh, develop up a, uh, a cyber for directors course. Mm. So uh, uh, again, in that same same vein of trying to do what we can to upskill and I guess um, make information available to people within enterprise and business who are. Uh, facing these topics and trying to understand how to best think about it at the board and at the C-level, um, these kind of resources are available to try and help navigate some of those challenging uh, issues or, or needs. One of the things that, that people have spoken about over the years with regard to Australian technology is there's, um, whether this is cultural cringe, you know, I actually cringe when I hear that term, um, a bit with regard to Australian organisations buying Australian tech. Now, this is something that CSIRO is addressing directly. Yeah, absolutely. So we're trying to find novel ways to uh, help organisations engage with some of the, the technology that's coming through yeah. and some of the research that holds some great potential to add value or generate new insight or, in some cases, new markets. Uh, so we're, as I say, trying to work hand in hand with industry to try and make that information and make that research more accessible. Uh, a good example of that is uh, we recently launched an initiative called the Early Adopters Program, or mm-hmm. EAP. Yep. Um, so in short, that's uh, about trying to help organisations to uh, be able to have visibility to some of the technology and some of the um, new products in development, if you will, uh, that are coming through the CSIRO and through Data 61, provide a way for organisations to not just see that capability, but also to, at, at very low cost or, or sometimes no cost, a trial in their context that technology. So, uh, a good example of a technology that's currently um, being, being considered or, or uh, available under this kind of uh, program is uh, our wildcat technology. So I mentioned our will work with Ensense and Hovermat. Our next generations of that uh, drone-mounted or handheld lidar scanning technology uh-huh. uh, is one that our organisations that uh, engage with us in in the EAP program can actively um, obtain one of those units uh, on a, a trial license. At, at no or little cost, try that out in their facility, try that out in their context, and um, really work with our teams to uh, explore what value it can add, help with developing that further, and in some cases, uh, take that and partner actively with us to take it to market. Um, another great example of a technology in that vein is uh, what we know as Tag B or Any Wheel. So this is a really exciting one. This is a, uh, a autonomous wheel that can effectively be fitted to any any object. So think of a, a trolley on a factory floor, and uh, it's a uh, small unit attached to the the trolley, and it can be programmed to run from point to point. So uh, rather than a human having to push that trolley backwards and forwards. Uh, it can tow that trolley from point to point. If it senses any uh, obstacles in the way, so for example, if 
if somebody walks past, it will stop and wait for that obstacle to clear and then continue on its journey. So when you think of a big barrier, we know for companies in looking at adopting some of these future technologies is the uh, high cost of uh, deploying those. So having to basically replace your current production line or or, or current uh, capital equipment with with new automated technologies. There's been some great uh, examples and tag B or any real is one where we can effectively at low cost retrofit um, existing uh, capital equipment to be able to uh, make it autonomous. So some exciting developments like that, again, rooted in our, our research, yeah. but um, that are, are available right now for companies to engage with us to trial, to test, help with the development of, but also um, potentially combine with their own innovation uh, into a, an exciting new product offering to the Australian market. Yeah. So um, exciting ways that, you know, to to try and take some of that, again, take some of that great capability, some of that great work that's currently uh, coming through the research landscape and, and see where it can um, address some of the current needs, challenges for business and solve problems uh, effectively. Well, that's some, some fascinating, fascinating innovations coming out of the CSRO. Cheryl, thanks so much for, for sharing the, those with us and we look forward to um, hearing the latest exciting innovations come out of the organisation. Well, our next guest knows better than most about the hive of activity in the local innovation scene in Australia. Tim Sheedy, Principal Advisor with APAC Focus Research Group Ecosystem. Welcome to the CIO Show. Good. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. Now, mate, you and I were speaking recently about the fact that there there really is an enormous depth of um, you know, IT digital innovation in Australia. Um, of course, we don't have, you know, a highly developed indigenous tech scene, certainly nothing to rival Silicon Valley or other hubs in the US and Europe and so forth. But the one way Australian organisations or CIOs could tap into that, some of that innovation, particularly that innovation of, you know, that that's relevant for um, for the enterprise, is partnering with the universities and the research institutes. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, uh, as you mentioned, look, Australia's been great at innovation for so many years, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember back in the when there was that TV show towards 2000, but that began beyond 2000. Oh, yeah. And we had innovators. That very forward looking, didn't it? But that was 20 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's it, right? And yeah. so we had innovators in backyards and, yeah. you know, in kitchens, et cetera. So, we're known as a really innovative nation. The, mm. the, the challenge that we have is many of those innovations don't make it to light, don't make it into real products. Mm. You know, companies struggle to get funding, but it's much easier to get access to that innovation today, right? Um, you know, well, one of the things that I know a lot of IT firms are starting to do more, so the, the service providers themselves, yep. um, and, you know, and other businesses who have large IT shops are starting to tap into the, you know, the, the, the academic world, right? Yep. Um, I have had a client, one of the uh, big government departments in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, part of the New South Wales government. And, you know, they looked out their window one day and, and went, oh, there's a university across the road. Um, we've, 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 we've got a lot of innovation challenges. Why don't we work with them? You know, it's, yeah. it's free, it's free labour, it's great minds, but, you know, and so they actually approached the university, you know, they actually made some of their business problems yep. um, assignments for those students, right? And they actually had some, you know, some of these great student minds in engineering and technology yeah. Etc. Working on their business problems, and you know, many of these you know solutions 
came to light through mobile apps, through new services, through new ways of analysing data, etc. Yeah. Um, and this is open to every organisation. It, it is something that US firms have traditionally done much better than Australian firms is work with universities, yeah. partner with them, you know, take the students on board. They are your future employees is the, is the other thing, right? Like the, 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 the really smart ones, and this mm. is already happening in universities in Australia, yeah. is that the smart IT firms and the, and the big IT um, employers are already working with the universities to pick the best students. So have to give them jobs before they even leave, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, they're, they're working with these students whilst they're still at university to solve the, the actual business challenges that they have. Sure. sure. Right? Um, and so, you know, for me, this is one of the really ways that we can tap into this really inventive nature that, that is part of the Australian sort of, you know, character. Mm. Um, but, but because of our lack of funding and lack of finance, you know, we don't tend to see that invention turn into too many organisations. Yeah. Right? Yes, there are some great software firms. Don't get me wrong. There's some great businesses coming out of Australia, maybe more now than there ever have been in, in a lot of ways. I think that's true, um, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously yeah. the creation of the um, the technology index on the Australian Stock Exchange, um, you know, highlighting highlighting a number of, you know, really successful Australian companies, App and Wise Tech Technology One. And of course you have the, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, of course, to mention Atlassian in the context of this conversation, but there you have it. There's, you know, there's a, a, a an organization, Australian born, Sydney born organization that has um, you know, made serious inroads into enterprises globally, listed on the Nasdaq. Um, but yeah, I mean as 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 we've been talking about for for, for a number of years. How do we get more of those organizations? How does Australia create more of those organizations, given that we have the raw talent and the extraordinary innovation that, as you say, is, is being held in these research institutes? Sure. And that's it. For me, that, that opportunity is to actually, as a business, get into those research institutes and start the organizations yourself, mm. right? But, you know, don't wait for someone else to start a software company, for example. You've got a business problem, solve that business problem, working with those institutes. And, you know, here's something that some Australian organisations have done um, is they've actually, you know, spun that service off as a company, right? So there are actually a bunch of software companies in Australia and, and in New Zealand who actually started as a partnership between a university and a commercial organisation sure. or a university and an IT service provider and they spun off into a separate business. Yep. Um, so they can offer that, you know, let's say you're doing something for a bank that bank can go, well, why don't we offer that to every bank in yeah. Australia or every, every bank around the globe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can monetize that opportunity that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way you've built the business case. You've got the, the cornerstone customer, mm-hmm. right? You've shown that it works versus the, you know, maybe the, the, the traditional fintech approach, which is, you know, come up with a great idea and, and uh, you know, get some funding and then hope someone uh, buys that off the idea of you or buys your company. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, U- U- UTS is certainly does works with a lot of private sector organisations, but particularly through their artificial intelligence and machine learning you know, students and academics. Is is that? I mean, that's that strikes me as a, as a particular opportunity for Australian universities and Australian organisations to partner with the smartest people in Australian universities around data science, because that you know you can have fairly small you know, AI solutions and small teams working around AI to, and have actually very, you know, significant um, impacts. Absolutely. No, that's, that's actually a really good point. It's mm-hmm. not about having to build a big, fat, massive platform that takes, you know, 
50 or 100 developers to build, right? Yeah. What one or two smart people can create something that can, you know, that can change an industry or change a business. Yeah. Um, and so you're right, you know, starting with those, you know, those data teams, those analytics teams in the universities, um, as you say, super UTS. Um, and security is another good place to start too. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's some, you know, there's some very smart minds in security in Australia um, coming through the university system and working in the universities. You know, uh, that I know, again, UTS is an example of um, a, a university that's trying to partner with more external organizations, right? Um, you know, so that they do have those, have those deeper links into industry um, than they have uh, traditionally had anyway. Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. Well, Tim, thanks so much for, for, for sharing that with us. We're, um, we look forward to seeing the, the fruits of Australian university labours, particularly in, in areas like AI over the next couple of years, and who knows what might materialise in terms of significant enterprise-focused companies. Thanks again, mate. Speak to you soon. No, thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Our next episode of the CIO Show is the first of our industry vertical specials. We talk to healthcare analysts and CIOs working at the front line in the sector about how they're using digital technologies like AI, IoT mobility, cloud calls for better data sharing and analysis to increase operational efficiencies, but most importantly, of course, improving health outcomes for patients. We hope you can join us.